0: Welcome to the Access Health Radio Show This Week with Dr. Brian Forrest. And Dr. Forrest, you have a special guest you'll be introducing soon. If people want more information about today's show or they want to find out information
1: about your practice, where can they find it? If listeners want to send general, non-emergent questions and possibly have their question answered on the show, they can go to our website at accesshealthradio.com. They can also send an email directly to accesshealthradio at gmail.com with their contact information, uh, make sure you include that so we can thank you for the questions you send us. And if you'd like information about our medical practice in Apex, North Carolina, you can go to acchealth.com, that's acchealt com, or you can call 919-363-0190. This week on Access Health Radio, we're pleased again to have audio prostologist Victoria Bretan, Back again from Down East Hearing Care Associates. And Victoria, what will you be discussing today?
2: What causes hearing loss? I think that's a good thing to talk about. One is aging. Around 55, 56, you start seeing changes. That's one thing presbycusis sets in over a period of time. Uh, Age-related is what presbycusis means. If you're exposed to a lot of noises, things of that sort, your hearing is going to shift very, very quickly. If you are exposed to a medications, your hearing can shift very, very quickly. So one of the things that we look at when patients come in, uh, one of the red flags we look at is, is, is your hearing changed very quickly, very sudden. Have you had any pain with it, any discomfort, or any ringing and roaring happening in your ears? It's unusual. Those are things that we look at almost immediately. The other things are like ear infections, um, earwax, genetics is also can be a, an issue. Hereditary, your mother, father, hearing impaired, it can jump generations. So we also look at that as well. Is it something that we need to treat? Is this just an infection that actually needs to be treated by ear, nose and throat doctor or a regular MD? Or is this a middle ear issue where surgery may, may be an issue? Uh, so we want to make sure we refer the patient over to the proper doctor that can do the work for that individual. Uh, and the other things that you're looking at that can attack, attack the ears is like diseases like Meniere's. Meniere's disease is a disease that attacks the inner ear. It actually has the hearing fluctuating from moment to moment. A ringing, roaring going on in the head. A lot of times it's a roar sound versus a ringing. Um, the other thing is the person becomes very dizzy and off sure about their feet. You know about which direction they need to be going in because of the vertigo that happens. And sometimes the vertigo can be so violent that the person actually regurgitate, continue to regurgitate, uh, which can be a, 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 an issue, a major issue. Uh, some individuals that have menieres also have uh, migraine headaches that don't seem to go away very quickly. It uh, this to s- just stay with them over a period of time. So we kind of look at the different levels of types of hearing losses and try to make a determination what is best for the patient on an overall. If the person doesn't have any of these signs other than just having um, a sensor neural hearing loss, which is, means just nerve damage, then we go ahead and fit. We'll go ahead and fit the patient with hearing instruments. But if they have a mixed loss, conductive loss, or sudden losses, those are something that we're going to do a assessment for and then refer them over to the physician we think will care for that for them and give them the treatment that they need.
0: Victoria, you mentioned age. Would it be a good idea for someone over 55 if they haven't had a hearing test done recently to have one done, particularly if genetics come in play?
2: That is correct. Yes, sir. Um, It's always wise to have your hearing checked at least once a year, just as if you have your eyes checked. You know, most people have their eyes checked every year, every two years, every three years. If I sat in a room of 100 people and said, everyone raise your hand that had your eyes checked, almost every single person in that room will raise their hands. I've had my eyes checked at some point in my life. You ask them to raise their hand for how many people have had their hearing checked, and you're going to say see probably 30% of the people actually had their hearing checked out of 100. So people don't take their hearing as serious until they don't have their hearing. And a lot of that has to do with subjective feeling. If you see through your eyes very clearly and everything is going well, and then all of a sudden you don't see or it's not as clear and you're blurry. So, oh my goodness, let me go get this checked real quick because it's obvious. You can see it very quickly with a hearing impairment. It happens so gradually over a period of time that your brain becomes accustomed not to hearing things. Mm-hmm. And then it goes to the subconscious mind. And before you know it, you're missing out on things that you would normally, only hear every day and until you actually get it back and realize oh wait a minute that chair does make a sound my car does make a sound my turn signal does work my refrigerator does turn on i do hear my air conditioning kick on and kick off oh now i hear my granddaughter much better or i hear my husband much better you know once they're aided and they're able to hear then they start realizing oh wait a minute i've been in this big void for so long and then we give them their hearing back and they're like oh i wish i'd done this five years ago so, until we can address what the issue is and the person accepts the impairment, uh, we can't do anything for the patient. So, you have to step in so we can find out what's going on, and then you've got to be ready when it's time to make that next step. Like I said before, eyes, you know very quickly whether you see or you don't. When it comes with hearing, it's, it's not that obvious unless mm-hmm. it happened very quickly, very quickly over a period of time. Mm-hmm. That's when we would be concerned, concerned for that individual. But when we fit, We're going back to rehabilitate. We want the person back hearing with their product at least 8 hours to 16 hours a day because most people, their hearing loss doesn't happen overnight. It happens over a period of time. So the brain loses the ability to understand speech for what it is, which we call auditory deprivation. And then they need rehabilitation, which gives them the proper amount of amplification. And then they have to expose themselves to these sounds, to these noises, to the speech, so their brain can rehabilitate. And Some people want that quick fix, easy button, it's going to work, it's not going to work kind of deal, and that doesn't happen, but hearing instruments, you're going to see an improvement from the get-go, but your improvement happens over a period of time. It doesn't happen immediately the wow happens immediately mm-hmm. and then the understanding happens about 3 or 4 months later when the hearing plateaus and the person's gotten used to their amplification they're getting used to their environments mm-hmm. and then they and then they say go oh, turn me up a little bit more and then when you turn turn up just a little bit more then they're good for a couple of years until their hearing moves again once the hearing moves again we go back in retest reprogram and then fine tune the product then they'll meet another plateau we'll turn it up just a little bit and they're good for another couple of years mm-hmm.
0: once someone is fitted with a Hearing device. Is that solely providing the hearing, or does the hearing they have assist in some way?
2: Well, it depends. It really depends, being honest with you. Um, you have your in the ear hearing instruments. All in the canal, you got invisible in the canal, completely in the canal, over the ear, behind the ear. So with that, with that product, what you're looking at, if the person has an open fit type of hearing aid, then everything comes naturally and is enhanced by the hearing aid. Once you close the ear up, you need to close the ear up when a person has a severe loss in the more or moderate to severe loss in their lower frequencies where their vowels are. If you don't start closing that ear up, then they lose their vowels, they lose their distance. Now, sounds aren't as natural sounding to them when you start closing the ear up, but they're clear. They can hear, they can understand, they get their distance. If you start opening the ear back up, then the person says, I hear fine with people next to me, but I can't get that, t- that 20 feet away from me. I can't get that 15 feet away from me. Mm-hmm. I can only hear what's in front of me. Right. So you have to sacrifice some things To get what you're looking for. But my objective is try to look out for the person's best health interest first. And then second is try to make it as comfortable as possible. So the patient will wear their product every single day. And that's physical and audio is what I look for.
0: Today on Access Health Radio, we're with audio prestologist Victoria Tan from Downey's Hearing Care Associates and Hearing Aid Urgent Care in Nightdale and in Rocky Mount. Reach them on the web at Downey's Hearing Care Dot com. More coming up. This is Access Health Radio on FM eight five and AM 680 WPTF. Welcome back to AXIS Health Radio. Victoria, you were going to share some data with us about how prevalent hearing loss
2: is as we age. Yes, hearing loss affects about two-thirds of Americans over 70 and nearly 750 uh, adults worldwide. And then you're also looking over 500 million people under the age of 65. That's a lot of people that are hearing impaired, in some shape or form, either medication related, trauma to the ear, whether it's physical or either by sound. I mean, by physical, I mean there might be a hole in the eardrum. You know, that could be causing an issue. There -hmm. could be some middle ear issues where the middle ear bones aren't moving properly. They're fixed. They may have any stakedectomy or something of that sort. Mm -hmm. But you're looking at the overall... That's a lot of people that are hearing impaired. So the other things that we look at are the signs. What are the signs if you have an impairment? And I've got a few signs here. And one of them is uh, frequently asking people to repeat themselves. That's the number one sign. Constantly ask them to repeat. Other is turn the volume up on the TV and the radios around them. Anything audio they're turning it up, and it's much louder than the way you would want it to be. It'd be a questionable thing. Of why do you like it so loud? Does it sound loud to you? And they say, Oh no, it's not loud to me then you know something's not right. Having trouble understanding conversations in noisy places where a person's sitting in a restaurant and as you're talking to them, they're leaning right into you because they're not understanding what's happening or what's being said, or they're losing some of that information, or they're responding to you differently than the question that you asked them or the information you're giving them. Mm -hmm. Those are things you're looking at. Difficulty hearing women or children's voices. Most people these days, especially in North Carolina, we're an industrial facility state, and you see a lot of noise induced hearing losses, and the noise induced happens in the higher ends, which is your consonants. Those are women's voices, children's voices. So when you start noticing you're not hearing them as well, that's definitely a telltale sign. Uh, feeling like others are mumbling. Um, I'm around other people, they mumble, they don't speak clearly. If they would just speak clearly, I could hear them better. Well, how many people around you are mumbling? Because not everybody mumbles. You know, when you have an impairment, it seems like everyone seems to mumble. Avoiding social situations where you once enjoyed, like most people that are hearing impaired, they'll stop going to church because they can't hear the pastor anymore. Or they have to sit in the back of the church, they can't hear the pastor anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those things happen. Some people leave their job because they're not able to hear and understand and communicate, and they're afraid that there may be some issues later on down the road for them. So they'll, they'll, they'll quit their jobs. That's not good. Being told by others that you're having a hearing loss. <laughs> That's <laughs> definitely going to be a, a situation. But, you know, even on those seven signs, the things that we experience is what the patient tells us, what they feel, and what I'm meaning by that. A uh, patient will come in, they'll say, well, I haven't been hearing for about six months. Okay, Are you have any popping, any any fluid in your ears? If you notice any changes in your hearing, I'm just not hearing.'m just not hearing. And you get in there and they're full of wax to the eardrum. You know that's an easy fix. Clean that out. The eardrum works fine. Everything else works fine. The hearing is normal. You know those those are the things that we see, and that's good. That's a good thing for the patient. But as far as the impairment itself, we try to look and verify, validate, and then go ahead and try to how we're going to fix that problem for the patient or how can they get it fixed.
0: I'd imagine caretakers need to be aware of someone that has withdrawn uh, because that could be a hearing loss problem.
2: That's correct. And a lot of people have been misdiagnosed with Alzheimer's and dementia because they think that there's a communication problem in the brain. And it's not that. It's just not hearing. They're not understanding. And like I said before, when they go a long period of time without hearing and understanding clearly, they have what we call auditory deprivation. That sets in. So when you say, let's go to church, and they say, search – Those are close, but that's not the same word. And you see that a lot with the elderly, where they're being misdiagnosed. So a lot of times what we do is we can fix the hearing impairment, and you see the person come out of their shell almost immediately, almost immediately. And I believe I've told you this before, Mike, for a long time ago, with patients, the first patient I ever fit was a man, and he sat and cried in front of me. And when he cried in front of me, I was hooked. I was hooked from that point, because I know I changed this man's life, you know? not normal to see a man cry but to see that I knew I did something good so I've been doing this almost 26 years now.
0: Victoria you recommended everyone have a hearing test annually so walk us through what's involved in a hearing test.
2: Well, a patient comes in, they're going to fill out an assessment form, and that assessment form is going to tell me what's going on with them. What are they experiencing on a daily basis? If they hurt, pain, discomfort, changes in their hearing, dizziness, ringing, that kind of thing. Have they been seen by a physician before about their condition? Have they been tested before? Is there anything that has to do with their ears area, if they had anything done to the ears before? What kind of medications they're on? If their family, if there's anyone in their family who has a hearing. An impairment so we have an idea about what's actually going on with the patient so we know exactly where we need to start the testing process now when they come in and they fill that out we look in the ears make sure the ears are clear make sure there is anything that we need to be concerned about it needs to appear to be normal and healthy to us if it's not then we're going to make a referral over and verify what's actually causing the condition causing the issue but if we know that everything's clear from the get-go then we'll go ahead and start testing the patient first test we do is air Air testing allows us to test uh, nine of the hair cells inside of the inner ear that have uh, they're dedicated to each region of the ear so that we know if there's a damage to that hair cell then other hair cells that surround us in that region is going to be damaged as well. Mm -hmm. So we test those nine per ear and verify if there is any problems. If there's a threshold that that is not normal then we go and we do bone bone conduction. So we put a device behind the ear, send the signal in and then it tells if, if there's any pathology issues between from the outer part of the ear to the nerve itself that goes to the brain if there's a gap then we know there's possible middle ear issues that's causing the problem for the patient if it's nerve damage and middle ear issues that's called a mixed hearing loss we're going to refer the patient if the person has conductive component that means strictly middle ear issue we're going to refer the patient if they have sensorineural hearing loss which means nerve damage we're going to fit the patient because that's what we fit.
0: Our guest this week on Access Health Radio is Victoria Brett Tan, audio prostologist with Downey's Hearing Care Associates and Hearing Aid Urgent Care in Nightale and in Rocky Mount on the web at downey'shearingcare.com. And uh, coming up, we're going to talk about uh, people that may not have bought a hearing instrument from Victoria but uh, can still get it repaired. You're listening to Access Health Radio on FM 98.5 and AM 680 WPTF. Into our final segment here in Access Health Radio this week with audioprostologist Victoria Bretan from Dowdy's Hearing Care Associates. And Victoria, you can fix instruments not only from your customers, but others that didn't buy from you,
2: right? I'm old school, But I'm still young enough to be in the more moderate stuff as well, so I'm one of those people that if it can be fixed, I'm gonna fix it. That's the goal that I look for: is how can I keep it reasonable for my patient? Can we work with what they already have? How old is their product? If you ever got it, already have a hearing aid that's five to eight years of age, and the hearing aid is a five-year hearing aid, you don't want to put more money back into a hearing aid that's five years. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's a five-year hearing aid. If you got an eight-year hearing aid and now you're five years into the hearing aid then you're going to want that other three years out of that hearing aid, you know. So you may go ahead and invest some money to fixing it. But a lot of the things that we do here is we try to fix the product on site. We try to do that. Uh, And if we can't, then a lot of times if we have to send it off to be done, if the patient is a patient of ours, we will loan them something. So they'll have something they can use while their product's out being repaired. So we look at the whole picture. We look at the whole outcome of it. Um, but like you said, you know, looking at the service part of it, we're a full service center. So we do everything from fitting them to adjusting them to programming them to actually fixing it as if they broke in half. Mm-hmm. I've got patients that brought their hearing aids in that their dog chewed up and they're like, Victoria, can you put this back together for me? If the electronics is still intact, I, most of the time I can put it back together, and a lot of times I do. Um, and it helps the patient because they're either going to pay the money to have a brand-new hearing aid again because their dog ate it, or they're, they're going to pay a good remake charge. So what we do is if we can fix it here, small, small, small fee, but we'll fix it. Um, it's not going to have the same kind of warranty that a manufacturer warranty would have, mm-hmm. but you ain't going to pay the fortune out trying to fix the product. other thing is that I see, is I see patients coming from other states. They're coming from other places, and they're settling here. And then they're looking for someone that can help them with their product. And then they get here and they tell you, I don't like this, I don't like this, I don't like this, I don't like this, I don't like this. I like this, I like this, but I don't like this, but I like this. And then you find out that... They have a really good product, but the product's not set properly. You know, it's not set for that individual. I'll I'll hook it up and find that nothing's turned on. Or a lot of stuff that should be turned on is not turned on based on this person's assessment. You know, that would be actual benefit to them. When I would say, there are some specialists that think the easy button on the software that says first fit is all they have to do. And that's not true. First fit gets the purse started. But if you don't go into their assessment and look at where their issues are, Mm -hmm. that first fit is is just a starting point. It's not going to really address what they need.
0: Thank you, Victoria. You can reach Victoria at Dowdy's Hearing Care Associates and Hearing Aid Urgent Care at 3009 Village Park Drive in Nightdale and 1356 Bevanue Plaza in Rocky Mount. On the web at Dowdy's Hearing Care Dot com. And you can also email Victoria at Downey's Hearing at Yahoo.com. And Dr.
1: Forrest, you have the final word. Our scripture from this week is from 2 Chronicles 29, New International Version. If calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. Thanks for listening to the Access Health Show this week, and we look forward to joining you again next Sunday at 4 p.m. Until then, God bless your health.